Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode should actually be called Trash Cinema. What do you think, Kersey? <laughs> yeah, you know what, this is just kind of a classic return to form. Yeah, it's uh, two, uh, for some reason, much beloved campy uh, horror films towards the, uh, well, basically the dying end of uh, the horror run of, you know, like in the 80s, everything died in 1989, because we talked about this before, like every franchise died off. And then it just seemed like everybody was trying to create a new Freddy. And it just didn't go well. Like, these are much loved now because people discovered on VHS. I'm going to be straight up. They're fine entertainment, but they're not good. You know what I mean? They're, like, they're, they're fun trash. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fun one to be like, oh, shit, this is the one that uh, Wes Craven did. I got to see this. Yeah, uh, let's talk about that one first. Uh, Shocker. That one was really expected to be a big hit. It did okay, I guess, in comparison to the other horror movies in 1989, but it did nothing for Wes Craven. It felt like, I might be wrong, it felt like he was trying to go, oh shit, I lost all that money, you know, whatever, on Nightmare on Elm Street, New Line Cinema took my franchise away from me, and this was like his trying to create his own again, and having more ownership. Yeah, what I kind of noticed, uh, looking at more like horror or thriller movies, uh, from the beginning of the 80s to the late 80s is that everyone's just ripping off each other and then, like, everything just kind of falls flat. I mean, uh, like, Shocker is basically just a amalgamation of the Nightmare on Elm Street and the Terminator. Yeah, and then you have, like, around this time, we saw a lot of those kind of prison uh, electrocution coming back from the dead because we did the horror show, I think, which was House 3, and then there was Prison, um... Yeah, you and I did one, uh, uh, a uh, trash cinema about like two prison movies. Or yeah, something. yeah, I can't remember the name of the other one. Uh, uh, the Chair. It was called The Chair. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, which is connected to our next film in a way. But it just seemed like that was like the run. Like, oh, now we're going to do a run of these, uh, you know, uh, prison electrical, electricity, like powered movies, whatever. But this one has that meta jumping through televisions. It's It's... It's really just another version of how Freddy could jump into dreams, you know? Yeah, I, I, that's, have you seen the movie Funny Games? No, I have not. Okay, well, basically it kind of has the same premise of fucking with you uh, when it comes to TV, uh, except that one actually did it well, uh, where it just like, kind of messes with audience expectations, and this one just kind of made it more like a gimmick. It just didn't, it didn't feel... It just, like, just happened. Like, in the beginning... And then at the end, there was, like, nothing to explain why or how this works. And it just made it more strange. and be like, okay, then let's just wrap it up. I know where this is going. Yeah. Well, it seemed also around this time, it seemed like there was a lot of movies where they're just like, oh, well, I just praise Satan and then I got these powers. Like, you know, Chucky and then, uh, isn't it in Final Nightmare? To be fair, to be fair, Chucky, that was not Satan, that was Voodoo, yeah, but it just like you know, like these kind of metaphysical. Uh, what, what's the the last Freddy? Freddy's dead. Um, where there's that sequence where it shows like he's like trying to get in with Satan, and those little fucking three D demons come around and give him the powers. Oh shit! I do not remember that. Yeah, it's but there's not a lot uh, of heady stuff in this, and I know some people worship Wes Craven, but I really think he was big time hit and miss. Incredibly 
uh, vicious and doesn't like waste a lot of time when he wants to kill you. He yeah, just, he just doesn't. Well, I forgot. I hadn't seen this movie in a while, and I forgot that the first half of the movie. You know, I thought for some reason I thought he got electrocuted like really early on, but it's a, it's a, it's like half the movie is just the hunt for him. Then they get him, and then that's when he gets his powers. So the whole, it's, you know, two wildly different segments uh, with this movie. I think the the hunt for him is actually better than the electric demon. Yeah, stuff. definitely is. Yeah, and uh, director Peter Berg started off as an actor, and I think he's okay. Uh, I mean. <laughs> These movies kind of had generic white leads, you know, and <laughs> I really not much to say about this. I really thought there'd be more, but I just it was kind of a bummer because it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, so how do you explain the the, the lore of this? So it's the, okay. So the guy is captured and he goes to prison, and then there's just like a thirty second scene of him praying to Satan. With a television? With, with like, electric cables attached to him, to the TV, and then to him. And then uh, the, the devil or something came out of the TV and was like, you got it, and then zapped him. And then that's how he got electric powers? Like, it did not make sense. Yeah. I would I would have thought it would be fucking hilarious <laughs> if Wes Craven pulled the rug out from under us. <laughs> and then he just dies. He electrocutes himself and he dies. The movie's over with. <laughs> it's like, oh. Okay. Yeah, and then the other thing too that was so weird is that the main character has like has visions where he's able to like find where the killer is, and the killer can see his like his his sleeping conscious mind or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, to spoilers, he mentions that that he's his father. Yeah, but I mean, that doesn't explain how you like. I don't know where my dad is at all times. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't explain why they have that telepathic power, or what are you going to call it. Yeah, just nothing is explained, and it just makes me feel as though a lot of this stuff was just kind of made up after the script was already written, because none of it, like, melds or makes sense. And there's, like, this weird sequence near the end where they're just, like, flipping through channels, where it turns into, like, a slapstick comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I really hated that. I really it hated that. It was so it. bad. I mean, I almost expected to hear, like, the Benny Hill music. Or, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, and then three stooges, like, poking each other in the eyes and slapping each other in the face. Because, like, it, it, it's an interesting dilemma because it's it's very similar to Freddy Krueger. So the killer can basically jump from person to person. So you don't really know um, who the killer is going to be. So it always keeps you on your toes of, like, oh, my God, where is he going to pop up next? I, yeah. I can't trust anybody. That's a really good hook, um, but then uh, they go into, then they, they both get sucked into the TV, and then they just start, like, fighting on different TV shows where they, like, try to, like, link up, like, already existing footage to make it seem like they're already in it. Yeah. It seemed like they're, they're in it with them. I don't know. It was weird. It was intended to be funny, but it did not match, like, the scenes before or after it. Yeah, it's... Uh, okay, have you seen the movie It Follows? What is it? Uh, it Follows. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, same director who did Under the Silver Lake, one of my favorite movies. Um, and It Follows has kind of a similar premise. It's the idea of like a, a killer entity that's stalking you that can look like anything. Um, so it has like that same kind of premise, but It Follows just does it a lot better. Yeah. Just stick with that one premise all the way through. 
Well, and, and there was the hidden um, two years before this where it was like that parasite from outer space that could jump from person to person. It would use up all its resources and then once it you know like dried up, died, whatever, it would jump to another person. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be a movie we're going to talk about next year, or not next year, but I mean in the next year, called The First... It could be next year. Well, yeah. <laughs> the First Power, where the guy, a uh, much better version of this, where he jumps from body to body. Um, but I remember this was supposed to be a big hit. They really pushed this hard on the back of comic books, and the soundtrack was supposed to be a big deal. And uh, this is from a company called Alive, and they only did like four movies, and two of them were John Carpenter movies. And this was the biggest hit of them all, but when you look at $16 million as being one of the bigger ones, that tells you horror was in a bad place in, <laughs> in 1989. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what to say. It's just kind of confusing. It's just, it, it's, it's just confusion personified. Why does this exist? Why is it like every other thing? How come nothing in this movie makes any sense? Yeah, well, it doesn't feel natural for what Wes Craven usually does. This feels like one of these, like, oh, this will make money. Like, on paper, you know how we movies are made now where it feels like it's all, like, uh, algorithms created by some robot and then given to the studio? That's what it feels like. Yeah, which is interesting because Wes Craven's always trying to be more, like, boundary-pushing or very meta with his movies, and this one kind of has it a little bit. Yeah, it just feels like someone trying to copy Wes Craven rather than him. Yeah. Um, our second film is 976 Evil. Uh, really low budget, actually. I looked this up. The budget was only $3 million, but still didn't make his money back. But on video, it was huge. I remember they pushed this hard um, on Fangoria because it was directed by Robert England. Yes. What I'm trying to figure out is how the fuck did he find the time to do this? Because he had just finished... Nightmare on Elm Street 4 was about to jump into Nightmare on Elm Street 5, but was also shooting all the wraparound stuff for the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Did you know there was a Nightmare on Elm Street TV series? I have watched many episodes. Yes. Yeah. How did he fit? How did he do this? It's not like a cameo. He had to direct the damn thing. Okay, well, okay. If you've ever seen the Nightmare on Elm Street TV show, you'll understand. It looks like they spend like 10 minutes per episode. Oh, it's, okay. So you think he shot bad. all the stuff in like one weekend? Yeah, okay. it's pretty bad. <laughs> but I, I, I think Robert England has explained during that time period he was also on cocaine, so that could make sense. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny is I think about the soundtrack for this and, and, and the last movie, and movies in general, like, all these had like heavy metal. Heavy metal and yes. horror were so interlinked during the 80s. It's crazy. And it's kind of a dying era. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention Alice Cooper. I mean, obviously, it's just... It, uh, in the other one, Shocker, that they, they fight in an Alice Cooper concert and no one's reacting to it. It's, was it anyway. Alice Cooper? I thought it was uh, Wasp. Oh, it looks like Alice Cooper to me. Well, Wasp is very much dressed just like Alice Cooper, but I could be wrong. Now, there's a cover of an Alice Cooper song that was a, a decent-sized hit from Megadeth where they cover Mr. No More, uh, no More Mr. Nice Guy. Oh, isn't that what they played when he was being executed? Sorry, we're, split. we're just going to... Okay, let's just jump yeah, yeah. back into Shocker. It, it just time. happens. Yeah, I'm going to look this up right now. What band... What band appears in Shocker? <laughs> I don't know if Google's going to help you with that one. They're like, why do you want to know this? Okay, for some reason they said it's the Dudes of Wrath. That's not right. That is not right whatsoever. We'll I'll find out later. That's the answer. Who cares? That's just Google's response. Yeah. Uh, 976 Evil stars Stephen Jeffries, who didn't get a whole lot of work, and you can imagine how tortured he must have been to be offered to be the main villain in Fright Night 2, 
and then this the same exact time. And then I think Friday Night 2 got delayed, and then so it didn't matter. He could have done both. <laughs> you know. Well, I think it is. Like, stuff, movies like this are really what I look for. Like, when I'm scrounging, uh, like, the depths of Tubi, it's this kind of stuff. I love horror films out of outdated technology. Yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> people, people misunderstanding the technology. So, like, I just watched Brain Scan the other day. Yes, exactly what I was going to say. I love Brain Scan. Yeah, so it's like, oh, no, video games, they, they're going to cause Satan. And so it's, this is, There was literally there was a time when Marvel was almost bankrupt and they were desperate, uh, and they were doing nine seven six numbers that you could call and talk to a recording of a superhero. I think what really makes this work is Stephen Jeffrey's performance because he goes from being, you, you, I mean, he's a creeper. I mean, we can't ignore that he's kind of a creeper, but there's kind of like a mental state that he's in that he doesn't think he like normal people. Oh, okay, I never even thought about that. Yeah, he's very awkward, uncomfortable, and bullied, and uh, you feel a lot of sympathy in watching his. In his road or whatever going from that to being twisted by the demon or whatever it is that possesses him in 976 you know with the call and the phone number and I will say I think his, I think uh, his cousin Spike is kind of a doll I mean like a lot of these movies like I said they, they, they cast a good looking doll guy and uh, that might be the only weakness in part 2 is that we're now focused on him but I remember enjoying part 2 as well Oh, yeah. I, well, I haven't seen part two yet, but I, I do want to see it. Yeah, it's on. I think it's on Tubi. Yeah, but oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then I think it has a fun performance by Sandy Dennis, who I think this might have been her last role. She was a kind of a acclaimed actress in the '70s, but she apparently, from what I'm seeing, is kind of off in the head. And this gives like really a place for her to put all that crazy stuff uh, as his mother. That's his mom, right? Yeah. Yes. But I love I love the sleazy bad guys because it feels like all the '80s horror movies had um, the the same group of cliche bullies. You know, it seems like it started with Christine, and then those guys just went to every movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, I don't know why they stopped that because it's not like bullying stopped. Yeah, it's just I guess bullying changed, but I haven't really seen like a good bully. Yeah, it maybe, but that's also set in the eighties. Not, but not even really. He's, the bullies are barely in that one. Well, it's all it's all focused on the clown because they spent so much money on the on the CG for it. So can I say rewatching both of those, and we're gonna get to it, I'm sure. I still prefer the original. Yeah, me too. I, I didn't think I would enjoy 
well, going back, I had a friend over. He's like, oh, we should watch the original It, and I just watched the new ones. It's like, eh, it's probably not going to hold up. I, I had a ball watching it. Yeah, I just the CGI, there's too much CGI. Sometimes having all the money in the world doesn't make it a better movie, so. Yeah, and there's, like, no horror scene in that movie. If either of those two movies put together, that's, like, as terrifying as that old lady scene. Yeah. In the original. Uh-huh. Oh, terrifying when she drops the cup. Terrible. Anyway, um... It's actually funny. I was watching the second It movie. Uh, I gotta say, sorry, this is gonna become the. This is for, okay. Everyone, we get a third movie. It's gonna be It Two. <laughs> uh, okay, so <laughs> in It Two, they have like so many really expensive actors in that movie that they're like no extras. Nobody's in this movie other than the main cast. It's weird. It's like a bottle movie. Huh. Did you notice that? No, I haven't watched it forever. I watched it once and I didn't really care for it. I, I think the part, the second part of It always is the weakest, no matter what they for do. Sure, for sure, yeah. Um, um, but with 976 Evil, real quick, I do... There was like a mother and daughter who were watching it uh, yeah. next to me, and they were laughing the entire time. Like, they thought it was a comedy. Oh, weird. <laughs> yeah, they were like, they were howling with laughter. After a while, I was like, you know what, they're having a lot of fun, I'm just going to join in. <laughs> like they're, they're they're doing this right. The uh, so Night of Sex Evil. I, what I love about it is it's one of the last of those kind of. It feels like it's handmade. It's but you know a very small company called Cinetel, but it got released by I think Columbia Pictures. But um, you know these like handcrafted like little special effects, and even the part where they're opening up the gate to hell or whatever, and there's that you know the the cracking of the world. It's still like oh yeah, that's just a small set, and they use force perspective and stuff like that. And it just I, I'm really comforting sometimes with those uh, effects. Yeah, it, it looks fine. Um, I mean, I, I can I mean since we're more seasoned movie fans, we can obviously see the flaws in them. But I think just as it as it is, I think it looks good. Yeah. What's the craziest thing about this movie isn't the fact that Robert England directed it, is that it was written by Brian Helgeland, excuse me, <clears throat> Brian Helgeland, who is an Oscar award winning writer. Uh, what, what did he win award for? Uh, LA Confidential and then Mystic River. He got nominated a bunch. Oh, shit. Yeah, uh, see? Hey, well, both of those uh, books, if I know Mystic River was definitely a book first, but. Uh, I don't know if LA Confidential was. Let me look. Um, but he did three horror movies right in a row. He did uh, The Fourth, Nightmare on Elm Street, then this. And then he did a movie called Highway to Hell. And then disappeared for like five years and came back roaring with L.A. Confidential. It's so crazy. No, no, it's just... Uh... Just straight from the brain. Uh, yeah, it just... Uh, where does it say? Oh, no, no, it is based on a novel by James Elroy. Here it is. Okay. That's what I thought. Okay, so he's really good at adapting stuff. Okay, so that's not the same thing. You're right. praises that one and, and like I don't see it I just I mean because five is the one that didn't do very well and nearly killed the franchise but five here I think this is how it works three was so good that everybody was hyped up and they went to four that's why the box office was huge yes. but 
everybody was let down by it. So, I mean, yeah, it made 50 million, but it probably could have made 75 or 80 if it was like great. And then when part five came out, I think the hype was done. People were like, oh, the last one wasn't very good. There's almost too much Freddy now. So people didn't show up for, for part five, but part five is infinitely better than part four. Who's part five? Is that the one where he has like dominion over a small town? No, that's part six. This is the one where the baby, okay. the pregnant baby, where he's going to come through. Sorry, not the pregnant baby. God damn, what the fuck? Bro? I don't know what words mean. Uh, no, the lady, uh, the lady's pregnant or whatever, um, and it's called the dream child, and that's the one he's gonna try to put his soul into the baby, and so when she gives birth, he can come back into our reality. I do not remember that one. Oh, it opens up with the uh, sanitarium where she's trapped. His mother is trapped in there. It's like set in the 30s or whatever, and it's the a bastard of a thousand maniacs or something like that. Part five's uh, disturbing. Watch, it's in my, it's in the voodoo. I mean, I, I own it. I own all of them. Oh, okay. I, I, I do not remember that one. Um, I, I like the one where he actually has dominion over the city. That was like, oh, they're actually changing the lore a little bit. Yeah, they're yeah. Something a little, a little different. Yeah, that was the uh, Freddy's Dead. All right, so um, I'll probably end up watching the second one and watch it for the 1991 movies, but. Um, we're going to go a little bit off the horror track again. We're going to be discussing two thrillers, one called Johnny Handsome from Walter Hill and starring Mickey Rourke and Morgan Freeman, and uh, Dead Calm uh, with Sam Neill, Nicole Kidman, and uh, Billy Zane. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm excited for that one. Yeah, have you ever seen either one, either one of them? No. Okay. I'm going to try to find you a good copy of Johnny Handsome because the one I have ain't too good, people. Um so that is it, everybody. Uh, check us out on Facebook and Twitter under Hit Rewind and Podcast Hosts. And that is it. Have a good night.